Awesome. Man, that worship set was crazy this morning. How many would agree? Praise God. So I need an investment from you this morning. Um, nothing monetary, at least not yet. Um, I am currently uh, battling uh, a root canal issue in my tooth. Um, it was too last minute to set up someone on our team to speak or to get a guest speaker. So we're just going to roll with it. But what I need is I need your attention. I need your nods, your smiles. And uh, we're going to make it through this morning. Is that a deal? So I feel as though whenever a pastor steps on stage, he's, he's making an investment into your life. You ought to make an investment into his or hers by uh, responding. And uh, what, what you give me is what I give you this morning. So yeah, I'm ready to go, though. My heart's full. And uh, we're currently in the book of Ephesians. Uh, our series is entitled Chosen. And this is our summer reading uh, uh, for this summer. I can't wait to next summer. I'm already thinking about it. We're doing a series entitled Summer Bliss. We're going to be studying through the book of Philippians because Philippians is all about joy. Paul is in prison, but he's writing this book full of joy, uh, which tells me that your circumstance may not be preferable, but you can still have joy in the Lord because um, he's just that good. Hey, uh, Repeat this after me. This is our uh, anchor verse for the entire series, but this is not the verse we're going to be reading today. Uh, Even before before he made the world, world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Go ahead and celebrate. We got that out of the way. Now let's get to our reading. Ephesians 5, 1 through 14 says this. Come on now, Tylenol. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Come on now. We got to get the word out. Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are uh, his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. I love that Paul says, these are not for you, meaning that you can talk and uh, obscene uh, uh, stories and foolish talk and coarse jokes, but uh, ultimately, what, what, what that's going to bring back into your life doesn't produce anything good. So Paul says, these are not for you. Um, it may feel good to gossip. It may feel good to joke around. It may feel good to talk foolishly, but these are not for you. Um, and it's so powerful because Proverbs says that um, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those that love the fruit, uh, those that love the fruit shall eat thereof, meaning whatever you say, you're creating a platter for your life, and that's actually what you're partaking in. So Paul says that this kind of talk is not for you. It's not good for your spiritual diet. And uh, so he goes on to say this here, um, blah, 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 here at verse 5. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. There is a such thing as hell. Everyone's not going to heaven. This is not a universalist church. We preach gospel. We preach Bible. Everyone is not going to heaven. If Jesus is not your savior, the Bible says you've been appointed one time to meet God. When when we die, we meet God. If If you're not covered in the blood of Jesus Christ because you can't pay for your sins, hell is your destiny. But, but no one's perfect. What Paul is talking about here, this isn't even in my notes, but this is something I want to I wanna give you and I want to impart. Verse 5, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person. What he's talking about is a lifestyle of sin, a lifestyle of unrepentance. Repentance means to turn to God through Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about homosexuality, 
when we talk about someone lying, when we talk about different fornication, adulterers, drunkards, it's all in the scripture in Corinthians. What Paul is talking about, he's saying that these lifestyles can't be forgiven because they never submitted or given these lifestyles over to Jesus. And when you do give your heart to Jesus, you grow in his grace, you grow in his goodness, and the more you walk towards Jesus, the less you look like who you used to be, the more you look like him. And so that's what salvation is, is is in Christ. So when we talk about these things, and you can't judge homosexuals, I, I, you know, I agree. You can't judge drunkards, I agree. We've all been there on some level, but what we can do is inspect the fruit of someone's life. And if they're not repentant, it's the church's job to share the gospel, the good news, to tell them, hey, you don't have to be stuck in that anymore. God loves you. He has a destiny for you. He has a plan for you, and he has a new life for you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And so uh, we ought to repent daily, uh, even Christians. And so he goes on to say this here, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to uh, excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, Paul is writing back to the, the church in Ephesus. He's saying, for once, at once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. Uh, the word light there in the Greek means to be enlightened. You, you have come to the knowledge of the truth, meaning you see clear now. And so you can either choose to see clear or you can choose to look towards darkness. And so Jesus said that... Um, your, your eyes are, are, are a window into your soul. And he says, whatever you choose to focus on, uh, if you're focusing on dark things, if you're focusing on sin, he says, Jesus said, your soul will be dark. But if you would focus on the things of the light, you would be illuminated, you would see clearer, and you would know which path to follow. And that's the path of greatest blessing for your life. Look, we're going through a book verse by verse. So what I can't do is just sit here and tell you, you know, it's going to be a great Monday, and you're going to conquer, and, and, and you're going to win. Like, you, I haven't, there's enough secular teachers to teach you all that stuff. There's a lot of other pastors that's going to teach you that. We got some of that coming in our next series called The Winner's Circle. But for now, we got to honor what the scripture says. Because Jesus said this. He said, the truth shall set you free. And so what we want to do is give you some truth and love this morning. We're going to lighten it up here. I'm just trying to get through my reading. So live as people of light, verse 9. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. So we want good, we want right, and true. Verse 10. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things the ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. Paul is saying this, Jesus is coming back. And what he's saying is, is that a lot of us, we, we, we try to hide ourselves in certain parts of our lifestyles as if Jesus and God does not see us. He's saying we need to determine what pleases the Lord at all times. And so he goes on to say this, verse 13, blah, 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 verse 14. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you clarity. Y'all all right? All right. Don't blame me. That's Paul. Paul, Paul's in heaven with the Father now. He's with Christ, but we got to carry it on. You know, my dad used to make this statement. Um, I, I can remember as early as six years old. He used to say, um, it's our wants, the things that we want, that gets us in trouble. And I'm thinking when I was six or seven, I'm like, well, all I want is some donuts. I want my Sega Genesis. Anyone remember Sega Genesis? Show of hands. <laughs> Make me feel old in here. Sega Genesis, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, Madden, Madden 95, Madden 95, yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah, some other games out there. But yeah, uh, he used to say that. I'm like, well, all I want is donuts and cake. I want to stay up late. You know, I want to spend the summer in Tampa and West Palm with my cousin. You know, I, I just, I'm a kid. You know, I, I can want things. Wanting things doesn't hurt anything. And he says, it's our wants that get us in trouble. And so the older I got, um, I discovered the meaning to that statement, um, especially when I entered college. And so freshman year in college, there's no curfew. You have your own car, got some money in your pocket, and got a few classes. Uh, it's not important. That's not why we came to college. And um, boy, my first semester's grades, uh, I had, a, I think, a 2.1 GPA. A lot of you would say, oh, that's not bad. That's great, you know. Um, now, I had a 2.1 GPA, and there was a course that I took where my average was 90, and um, the final came, and I didn't study for the final simply because I wanted to sleep. I wanted to hang out with my friends. I, I just did not want to study for this final. And uh, I ended up taking the final, and instead of getting a 90A, I flunked my final. I got like a 21% on my final, and I ended up receiving a C for that class, and it brought my GPA down even the more. And not just that class, there were three other classes with the same situation, where I could have had three A's on my first semester's transcript, and I ended up having like three C's, a D, and like a B. And so, you know, I had, I had to go back home to Orlando. You know, I went to college in Tallahassee, drove back home to Orlando, and I showed, you know, I logged on to my account, and I showed my, my parents my grades, and they're just like, you're not taking the car back next semester. And instead of sending you $300 every two weeks, we're going to send you 50 And it's like, no, <laughs> no. I don't, I don't want to do the bus. I don't, I want the money. They're like, no, because what you're showing us is irresponsibility with the gift that you've been given. And so Paul is, is in prison right now, and he's encouraging the church in Ephesus. He's like, look, um, I want to write back to you because I want to remind you of the life that you need to live. The title of my message today is The Life I Need to Live. And uh, as a church, they had a responsibility in a mostly pagan city to live in the light. So if you have your Bible, uh, the subcategory could say living in the light of Christ or what have you. But they had a responsibility to uphold. And there's I think I want to help us out this morning. I'm going to try to honor my notes, but I also want to flow with the Spirit. I think that there's a life we need to live, and there's a life we want to live. And I think what I want to try to help us connect this morning is that if we would live the way we need to live as it concerns Jesus, we would actually um, almost subconsciously trip into, I don't know, fall into the life that we want to live. Instead of forcing the issue over here and being upset and discontent and rushing things and taking things into our own hands, God wants to give us a, a blueprint, a step-by-step or what have you to get to the life that we want. And I think that there are three things that we're going to pull out of the scripture today. Three, three important points about the life that I need to live in order to see God move. Point number one is this. Now, I've come to find out I need to imitate Jesus. I need to imitate Jesus. Ephesians 5, 1 through 4 says this. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, no impurity or greed among you. 
such sins have no place among God's people in all the foolishness. Uh, right now, I'm currently in a season where monkey see, monkey do is big in our home. Um, I do, you know, I, can I make an honest confession? Confession's good for the soul. So we have basement, main floor, second floor, third floor. And there are times where I sprint down the stairs. I'm running from my oldest son, and I dive into the couch like I was 10 years old, man. Sometimes I, I do front flips in that sucker and back flips in it, and I'm dodging the, the darts and the football and, and, the, and, and the spit balls and all this stuff. My wife doesn't know this because she's at work most of the time. <laughs> and then there are days where I just don't want to play with him anymore. My oldest son, Jaziel, he's about to be nine. And then there are days where I'm just chilling on my computer and I'm like, I'm so sick of these kids. I don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> and here we go. I hear Jaziel. Judah's after me. Judah's running after me. And he dives into the couch and Judah's throwing spitballs and he's doing all this nasty stuff and Judah's naked. And I'm like, Judah, no. <laughs> Judah, no. Don't pee on him. No. And I'm like, everyone sit down. You get on the purple computer and watch YouTube. And Judah, you grab my iPad and watch Netflix. Watch Moana for the millionth time. And, and, and they do that for about half an hour. Then they go right back to the, the, the nonsense. And um, what I've realized in my home is, is that my oldest kid does a lot of what I do. And... Um, you know, they go into the fridge and grab food and, and play around and they play fight. So when my wife is home sometimes uh, uh, trying to sleep in, Judah will get in the bed and he'll do a rock bottom on her or DDT or Jake the Snake. Y'all don't know nothing about Jake the Snake. Y'all watch John Cena and all this. These guys ain't got nothing on Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan and all that. Anyway, I don't have any guns. But, and, and my, my wife is like, where did Judah learn this stuff from? Like, Jaziel? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I've just recognized how much they, they copy what I do, my behavior, my, my body motion, and most importantly, the way I talk and the way I, I treat people. Um, the way I treat my wife, uh, I've come to, because my nine-year-old has become more bold about the way he talks to his mother, and I don't like it. Um, just very uh, under-the-rug, disrespectful stuff, and then there are days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where I notice, man, I said something crazy. I, I did something to her. I didn't treat her right. I, I don't know. I may have left the kitchen unclean or something. And, and it's the reason why Jaziel is leaving stuff all over the place. It's because he's watching what I do and how I treat my wife and how I treat my people. And um, I just think I'm coming to find out that the greatest investment I can make into my kids is to be an exemplary of Christ in their life. And the, the Spirit is convicting me more and more about this every day, to be an example, like Paul just told the, the church in Ephesus, to imitate God, to, to imitate him, to, to, to copy him um, in the city that you're in, where there are unbelievers and people without hope, people that are still in the darkness who you work with, that are living in your neighborhoods, and, and, and they're battling with a divorce, they're battling with this and that, you don't know it, but they're watching how you live because they know that you go to church, they know that you believe in Jesus, and the greatest contribution that we can make to this world is to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. So I've come to find out that my, one of my greatest needs is to imitate Jesus. And how many of you know that Jesus didn't come just to die for our sins? Jesus came to show us how to live. Imitate. So Paul says imitate God, but my note here says imitate Jesus because Philippians 2, 3 through 8 says this. It says that God being in the, Jesus being in the form of God did not think himself to be equal to God, 
but he submitted himself and made himself a slave and he put others first. So when you say, when Paul says imitate God, the, the church in Ephesus already knows that really what he means is imitate Jesus because Jesus was the incarnate, he was, he was God incarnate. So if you read Jesus in your gospels, what you see is the character of God in person. So that's where we get the bracelets from 10, 15 years ago, WWJD. What would Jesus do? How many had a what would Jesus do bracelet? How many did what Jesus would have done in some of those circumstances? No hands, right? So, no, I did. I didn't. I didn't even own one. I was so convicted. I'm like, get this thing off my wrist, man. I don't, I don't, I don't want nothing to do with Jesus. Like, I'm having fun. And, and so what, what we see here is that there's a need to imitate Jesus. I love, pull, pull up the verse, Ephesians 5, 2. Stick with me today. You know it's going to get good. I, I got to teach through some things. Paul says this. He says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us a pleasing aroma to God. So I can imitate God by imitating Jesus because Jesus was God and his life was characterized by love. The Bible even says this. The Bible says that God is love. So it's not a description of who Jesus is. Jesus is not a loving person. Jesus is love. The Greek word here is agape. Watch this. I'm going to help you out. I need to imitate Jesus, meaning I need to live a life of love. I need to a agape. Agape is the highest form of love. It's unconditional love for your spouse, for your ex, for your boss, for the person that hurt you, for, for your children, for other people's children. It's unconditional love. It's a love that does not uh, uh, receive payment. It's a love that does not expect back. It's a love that gives and it keeps on giving until it transforms the object of its affection. This kind of love is the love that wants what's best for the object of its affection. This is the kind of love that enables you to love someone that you don't know. I don't have to know you to love you. I don't have to know my waiter is a person who struggles with the same things I struggle with. She probably has two or three jobs, and she doesn't need me pushing her around like crap. Can you bring me a Coke? And I need this, and this, this isn't done right, and you guys are ridiculous. My waiter doesn't need that kind of pressure. When I'm a Christian and I should be imitating Christ, I should be serving her as she's serving me. I should seek to tip beyond 10%. As a Christian, I should tip at 20, at 25, at 30, at 40. I should be imitating Jesus. I don't have to know you to love you. Genesis 1 tells me that you've been created in the image of God. And I think a lot of the reasons why we don't love people is because we're imitated by them and because we're jealous of where they are or because we look down on people who God has clearly called us to love. Imitate Jesus in your interactions with people. I want to go here because I want to address the verse. A lot of you are probably asking, what does this have to do with staying away from sexual immorality? <laughs> well, this is the way that you can love someone that you're not married to. I will not. No, let me slow down. Let's go back. So you can say, no, I will not gossip because I love the person that you want me to talk about behind their backs. I love my God. And I love you enough not to, degrade, not to degrade our character, our integrity. You can say, well, no, I'm not going to cheat on this business interaction because I love the customer. I love this business and I love my God enough not to cheat on this business interaction. Because if it's money I want, Jesus can get me money. 
But what Jesus can't repair easily is my reputation and my integrity and who I am as a person. That takes time. You can say this. No, I won't. I won't sleep with you if you are not my spouse because I love you, I love my God, and I love myself enough to prevent the consequence of what's about to occur. If any kids in here. All right, let me not go in that direction. Cool. It's loving a person. So when you actually want to stay sexually pure, you're loving that individual by saying, if you want me, put a ring on it. And the words of Bishop Gibson, no ringy, no dingy. That's, that's pastors of preachers of L.A. It's biblical. It's biblical, right? I don't, you know, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but that just informed someone's situation in here. And you need to be set free from that area of your life. How are you going to get the milk before you get the cow? We have to imitate Jesus. We got to. There's a need to imitate Jesus because Jesus got what he wanted. Do you remember when Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane? You remember the Passion of the Christ, the movie? I saw it when I was 16, and I cried about it. It's very powerful. And um, he's in the garden. It starts. He's in the garden. He's, he's praying to the Father. And Peter and James and John are asleep. And the Bible says that his, his blood, his sweat was his blood. He was under uh, what's called hematohydrosis. Uh, very few people have ever experienced hematohydrosis. It's when your blood capillaries burst and blood pours into your sweat glands. It's when you're under extreme amounts of stress. So the Bible says his sweat was his blood. And so um, he, he's, he's in the garden. And, and, and one, one thing that he asked God, he, he says, if this cup can pass from me, let it be so. But if this cup that I'm about to bear, this beating and the cross cannot pass, not my will, but your will be done. And so God didn't say, hey, I'm going to take the cross away from you. I'm going to take the beating and, and all this stuff away from you. God said, you will go through this cross. And so the book of Hebrews tells us this. It says that at, at a certain point in that interaction with the father, it said that Jesus despised the shame for the joy that was set before him. He understood that the shame of the crucifixion, the crucifixion is the most horrendous thing that has ever happened to a human. It was the most embarrassing, the most horrific, is far worse than when your bank account is in the red. It's far worse than when that man or that woman leaves you. It's far worse than, than when you are broke and, and you're tired and when you're sick. The crucifixion is far worse than anything we've ever experienced. And the Bible says that for the joy that was laid before him, he despised the cross in its shame. What was that joy that laid before Jesus? Your salvation and my salvation. So Jesus needed to, some of you are distracted, Jesus needed to endure the cross. Some of y'all missing this. In order to get what he wanted. What areas of your life is God, are God, is God calling you to endure? Because he knows what you want. And in order to get what you want, you're going to have to endure this season of purity, of repentance, of turning to him, of, of changing your character in order to ultimately become who you want to be and to get the things you want to get. I need to imitate Jesus because if I imitate him, my life is going to be full. My life is going to be full. Number two, we need to desire God. So we need to shift our want, right? You can be sure that no immoral, verse 5 through 9, impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ 
and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God um, will fall on those who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness. I love this. Here it is. But now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces what is good, right, and true. Does anyone know Damien in this church? Come on, give it up for Damien. (laughs) All right, Abu. Didn't know it. Damien, you did say your dad's 40, right? Not 40. All right. These clothes. You know, I've been keeping my eye on Damien. Um, he started coming to our church back when it was literally 15 of us, and we were in a living room. And uh, a prayer night in which he had a lot of great questions to ask. He was very skeptical, rightfully so. Damien said coming to this church or, or that prayer night made him feel as though we were a mega church that had moved and we were just a smaller group starting it up and come to find out we were actually just that small group starting it up because <laughs> our website is slick and you know you gotta reel you guys in some kind of way right you gotta all right let me stick to the script here and um man I've just been watching him um go after it um go after God um read read his scripture um, he's currently studying to be a CPA, um, and you would think that he would make some time for his pastor whenever I would request it, but over the past two months, I just couldn't get a hold of him because he says, Pastor, I got to work, I have to study, I got to go to light group, and, you know, I have my community, my, my friends and, and his girlfriend, Annie, is, give it up for Annie, Annie is amazing, she's a boss. I should have did this analogy for Annie, not him, (laughs) but she's a boss. And um, I've just been watching him, and I can sense that he's going for something greater than where he currently is. And I was telling him the other night that what he's going for, God is going to give him because his desire has changed um, for, for greater things. How many of us want something greater be it, be it in, in our finances, in our relationships. You want something greater. And what, what I've come to see over the past two months of, hey, Damien, are you free? No, I got to study. Like his desire for something greater has affected his day-to-day decisions. So, no, I have to work. I got to come home from work. I'm going to eat, watch some Netflix, and I'm going to study. And his, his desire for greater has affected his day-to-day decisions. He hasn't become stagnant And where he is, he wants to grow. And I think that's befitting for a Christian's life. You ought to want to grow in every area of your life. You ought to want to to get better. And so we desire to be healthier. Uh, We desire a greater financial margin, a lot of us. A lot of us want to accomplish certain goals in a given time period. And it's because we've become enlightened to the fact that if we can get there, that's actually where I want to be. But I, in order to get there, I have to do certain things. I have, my decisions have to be strategic. They have to be in order. They have to be compartmentalized. Meaning, if I want to be here in a year, what do I have to do today to get to this greater reality? We've become enlightened. We've, we've come to understand that that's where I want to be. That's where God wants me to be. That's what God wants to bless. So what do I have to give up here in order to get there? It's greater. It's, it's greater. Greater aspirations. Greater levels of influence. Greater levels of knowledge. You, you don't want to be stuck living check to check. You don't want to be stuck in an addiction. You don't want to be stuck in a dysfunctional relationship. You want greater. You want greater. And because of that, you need to be able to desire greater. And a lot of us get caught in desiring lesser things than what God wants for our lives. 
and what I've come to find out is that a desire for greater things filters out my pursuit for lesser. A desire for something great will filter out my pursuit um, for, for, for something lesser. It's going to filter out me being passive and lazy on a day-to-day because I'm going after something. And we got to ask ourselves this. Do I want God? Ask yourself that question. Do you want God? And ask yourself this. Do I want what God has for me? Does my soul and my heart yearn for more Jesus every day? The things of God, more peace, more joy. Do, do, do I want to prosper? And, and some of you are like, is this some kind of redundant, stupid question? No, no. I actually want you to ask yourself that. Because the way we behave, the, the habits that we've established, the places that we go, the people that we surround ourselves with, don't always exemplify that we want God and that we want what God wants for us. And so Psalms 37 verse 4 says this. It says, here we go. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. It's one of my favorite verses. You ought to commit it to memory. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. I love it because it's dealing here with the the internal and the external. So... This is good. Watch this verse and and journey with me here for a second. Take delight in the Lord. Watch this. If you're taking delight in the Lord, you are already receiving what your heart desires. If if you delight and, and, and if you have strategically set yourself up every day to get into his word so that your soul can be fed truth, so that your perspective can be shifted on a day-to-day basis. And, and, and I know for me, whenever I wake up in the morning and I'm able to put on worship music and get in God's word, it alters my entire day. There's just something, a joy. There's, there's a happiness. There's, there's a fulfillment that accompanies starting the day off in the word of God. Listening to a sermon. Starting the day off the right way. And my soul is fulfilled. But, but, but that's not the only thing that God wants to give us. He says, delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. God knows, watch this, that you desire certain things externally. He knows what you're praying for. He knows the vision that he's given you. He knows the way you want your future to be. But unless I desire God, I don't get there. Let me bring this in. Um, I love my wife, but I love Jesus more. I love my kids, but I love Jesus more. I love this church, but I love Jesus more. And I started loving Jesus on October the 16th, 2006, and I loved him the most. I love my father but I love Jesus more. Last year, uh, before we moved here, when we visited this church, I've been praying for years that my dad would meet Jesus Christ and that he would know him and that he would be baptized and he would be saved. Last year, when we were visiting Gaithersburg, we were right there off Shady Grove in the Hilton Inn. Um. A week before we came for the trip, my dad gave his life to Jesus, and he asked me to baptize him in the pool at the hotel. And, and you can clap for that. From the age of 19 to the age of 28, I have been praying that Jesus, the one I loved, they just missed it, the one I loved the most would give me my heart's desire. For my dad to be saved. He did it. From the age of 19 to 25. Said God I'm done sleeping around. 
I want a wife because there's the joy of that in marriage, and I want to experience that in marriage. And on November 14th, 13th, 13th, <laughs> 2013, he gave me a wife. I said, God, I want kids because I want someone walking around that looks like me and love Jaziel to death. But we had Judah and he's walking around here looking like me and he has better hair and I'm jealous of him because he's my son. He don't got better hair, but he just got great hair. Anyway, what I'm saying is, is this. The more I pursue Jesus, the more I desire Jesus the more I positioned myself to receive the things that my heart had always wanted. You have to desire God on a greater level. You have to repent. Here's the verse. So Paul says, idolaters, worshipers of the things of this world. Here's the thing. We have to stop desiring the things of this world so much, so much, so much. Because what we're doing when we desire the things of this world, we're filtering out the things that we ultimately want, the things that only God can give us. Stay off that social media. Stay off of it. Stop coveting what your neighbor has. Want God. I was following 100 100 people in organizations in the spirit of the Lord about two weeks ago. He said, I need you to unfollow every church and every pastor that you look up to unless you personally know them. You know why? Because every time I would scroll, my phone's over there. That's okay. Every time I would scroll, oh, man, they're doing amazing things. Oh, wow. Oh, I wish we could. Oh, man, that's awesome. Wish we could serve the city like that. I got to this place where I had uh, began to lack fulfillment. And, and then you, everything's on social media. And so you can hit that magnifying glass and everyone's working out now. Oh, we're going to talk. Everyone's working out now. And uh, everyone's showing everything now. And you're either going to desire home are you going to desire that which you can't have and ultimately end up alone <laughs> because Satan wants you, oh boy, Satan wants you to worship the things of this world. And he's been so strategic at it and such a genius because he knows humans. But Paul is telling the church in Ephesus, look, the way that you can remain blessed and fulfilled and in the center of God's will is to continue to grow in your desire for Jesus. He's the only one that can fulfill you on the inside and fill you on the outside with the blessings of God for your life. Some of you need to delete numbers, unfollow people, and you need to start to walk your own path. And you need to see God unadulterated, unfiltered, his miracles for your life. I'm telling you, it's going to be blessed. I need to desire Jesus because I want to see God move. Point number three, the more I pursue Jesus, the more I position myself to receive the desires of my heart. Point number three, please God. <clears throat> Is this good? Let's give it a inter, you know, intermission hand clap. Praise God. be real, babe, talking to you now. A brother ain't working out no time soon. <laughs> got no time for that. So that's all I got for you. Right there. Let's stay off that magnifying glass. All that mess is crap. You know, it, it's not crap. It's, it's good to be healthy, but Paul said this. Paul says that spiritual fitness is more important than, than, than physical fitness. So what you have to understand is that even physical fitness can become an idol. Because an idol is not uh, worshiping this TV. Uh, la, la, la. No, an idol, 
An, an idol is anything that gets your heart's affection and your mind's attention, ultimately getting your time. And those are the things that kill us, okay? So, please God, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Verse 10 through 14. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper. He's talking to the church, not to unbelievers. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Five minutes, great timing. It's 1110. I'll, I'll be done by 1115. Um, a few weeks ago, this was very awesome to me. Um, Jaziel, I, I, we, we were getting ready for church, and I told Jay, I said, look, you just had waffles with syrup, eggs. You had a Capri Sun. You, you, you had some, some uh, goldfish. You had gummy bears on the way to church. Do not touch the donuts. <laughs> Do not touch the Krispy Kreme. And um, so after church that day, my wife comes and she tells me, she said, babe, I was trying to give Jaziel a donut, but he would not take it. And I said, for real? He said, she said, yeah, he wouldn't take it. Like, t tell him, Jay, tell, tell dad what happened. He said, yeah, dad, um, mom was trying to force me to take this donut. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't want it. I, I, no, I'm, I'm okay. Like, no, I don't want it at all. I'm good. And um, I'm like, seriously, that, that's, that's amazing. I said, what about Judah? She said, well, Judah chowed down like two of them. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't listen to my uh, directives, but... I was impressed by the fact that he, he obeyed. I was oppressed, impressed by the fact that he obeyed. Um, and it wasn't his obedience that, that got to me. It was the fact that he obeyed when I wasn't around. That was impressive. Um, because it showed that he trusted my direction. Because I promised him, I said, if you don't do that, we're going to go to Jimmy Cone's tonight. Come on now, Jimmy Cones. Y'all ain't excited enough. Come on now, Jimmy Cones. Diabetes in a cup. That stuff's so darn sweet. Anyway, sorry, what was I saying? Jaziel's obedience was a byproduct of his faith and his trust in his father. So when the church gets to the point where we start to judge people's lives, don't judge what people do. Don't judge people's sins. It's just their lifestyles or our lifestyles are a byproduct of how we trust God. If you trust him, that informs the way that you behave. And so it pleased me because he trusted my goodness, and because of it, he was rewarded. Hebrews 11:6 6 says this, And it is impossible to please God without faith, without trust, without belief. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. Here's the, here's the kicker. And he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So I need to please God, and when I, ple when, when I need to trust God. When I trust God, I please God. When I please God, my life is rewarded based upon my trust for him. And my question is to you is, do you believe or trust God with every inch of your life, with every area of your life? Do you trust God? And second question, are you willing to expose the areas where you don't trust God? Are you willing, here's the scripture, are you willing to expose the darkness of your life so that you can start to receive the healing that only God can bring in? It's our trust. Tr trust him with, with your career situation. Trust him with your job situation. Trust him with your relationships. Trust him as you raise your kids up in him. Trust him. 
And then on the other end, expose the areas of your life where you've been keeping hidden or at least seemingly so from God. Those parts about your character, my character, the impatience, the thoughts, the bitterness, the rage, the worry, expose it so that God can bring understanding so that he can enlighten you and set you free in those areas. And the promise is this, is that as we trust him, as we seek him, he will reward us. He will reward us. So there's a life I want. And in order to get to what I want, three things review here. I need to imitate Jesus. Desire God. I need to live a life that pleases God that's based on trust. If I would trust God in my relationships, trust him in my business, trust him in the process of my fulfillment, trust him in his timing, I'm going to see God move in my life. Let's pray, church. Father, we give you all the praise and all the honor. And God, I ask that you would refresh us this morning. Give us a heart that is bent on imitating you. Not that we're seeking perfection, but we want to imitate you, Jesus. We want to love our neighbors. We want to put others first. We want to treat people the way that we like to be treated. We want to be a blessing unto others, Jesus. Lord, give us a greater desire for you, Jesus. Help us to pray. Help us to encounter you in the morning, afternoon, and in the nighttime. Help us to want you more in every area of our lives so that you can fulfill your promise of giving us our heart's desire. Help us, Jesus, to please you in all that we do. Give us the wisdom. Help us to know what pleases you. Enable us to trust you so that you can reward us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. I love you guys.